0: Hour number two, Bill Michael show. We continue on. And um, as I sit here, for those of you that uh, are watching on the Bud Light live stream today, there you go. That's it. The Bible has shown up. It came here yesterday. It was like Christmas time. Our lads draft guide, the scouting guide, which breaks down every player in this year's NFL draft. I love it as always. And when it comes, it's always a great time of year. Joining us now from uh, our lads is uh, John Cooper. He's joining us on the hotline right now. John, how are you doing?
1: Good, good.
0: So let's get right into it because we know the Green Bay Packers, they are a team that is looking for wide receiver help. They picked up Sammy Watkins. They obviously have another veteran in Randall Cobb. But when I start going through this, everybody has an agreement that when you look at the top five, it's Drake London, it's Garrett Wilson, it's Chris Olave, Traylon Burks. So you tell me, what you think is going to be available going through all these mock drafts and such for the Green Bay Packers and who they may grab early on in that first round?
1: Well, I think the the, the guy that we seem to think will be there is uh, Alave, Alave from Ohio State, uh, speed receiver. You know, we think the Packers need somebody that can run uh, and and stretch the field. You know, with that core receivers they have, we think that's their number one need, and, and he fits the bill really well. Uh, you know, another kid is Dotson from Penn State, a little bit smaller. Uh, that could be a first-round pick. Uh, Williams from Alabama uh, is another one. He may be, you know, it just depends upon what you're looking for. Uh, you know, some of the top guys that you mentioned are probably going to be gone when the Packers uh, pick at 22. But uh, you never know. One of them could fall there. Uh the guy we like, our favorite, is Drake London. Big, Big, not as fast, but... You know, tremendous, can play inside, can play outside, uh, had some injuries, which could drop him down. I don't think he's going to drop that far,
0: though. So as we sit here and look at all these different wide receivers, and I'm looking at the descriptions of all these guys right now. Is there a guy or how many of these guys do you feel can really contribute like right now? Because we, I, I'm hearing a lot of there's really good receivers but there's probably not a Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson, a guy of that level coming into the draft. Or is there, in your opinion?
1: Well, it just depends on how you want to use these guys. Uh, you know, I think you take a kid like Traylon Burks, for example. Uh, he was used as a big slot receiver some of the time. And uh, if that's what you're looking for, I think he can do that right away. and Get right down the middle of the field. He can shield defenders. And uh, London can do that, too. I think London is prepared and ready to go. Uh, a speed receiver... Uh, you can always use that. Well some of these guys that can really run, like uh, a lot of these Ohio State kid, and, and uh, the two Ohio State receivers, I think those guys can help you right away. I mean, they may not be immediate premier uh, receivers uh, like Devontae Adams, but uh, they're certainly going to help. You know, I think Green Bay has a you know a strong need for somebody that can can stretch the field at this point because uh, you know Lazard can play that role as that big slot receiver. I know Cobb is considered to be that guy, but so they need, they need somebody to line up outside and run. Um, Watkins is, a, to me, a stopgap for them. I, he has a tough time staying on the field. He, like very, he, he didn't have a lot of snaps at Baltimore last year, and the that thing was true with Kansas City, he's, he's hurt a lot. Uh, he, he does a lot of good things when he's healthy
0: talking with John Cooper of Our Lads Scouting Guide. You can get it at ourlads.com and see all their information. Terrific, uh, like the draft Bible for me this time of year. So uh, what do you think the run is going to be? Because we talk about a a depth of edge rusher, a depth of wide receiver, but there are teams, as we've seen this offseason, that are jockeying for position. They're looking for additional weapons. With the rules that have been so relaxed for the offenses, wide receivers have become almost a premium at this point, edge rushers as well. So do we see a run on the these guys, or because there is a belief that there are going to be so many of these that teams are going to kind of lay off through that, uh, you know, hardcore first and second round, that they're, they're going to say, ah, well, there's going to be some more of those guys in the later portions of the round.
1: Well, you know, I've heard that. Uh, I've heard people talk about that. But uh, I think the point being is a team like Green Bay that has a, you know, strong need, uh, you know, n- not knowing what's available in the second round, I think they're gonna they're gonna have to really look at a receiver. We think there's six receivers that have first round grades on them for us. And I think there's a possibility that maybe a seventh could sneak in there if there's a run. But I think there's gonna be a run at the in the maybe one through fifteen. I think it'll be three guys go there, we think, and then after that uh, Alave, Dotson and Williams will go in the first round you know, in the latter part of the first round. But if somebody really wants one, you know, they're going to trade up. I think the thing that teams are hoping is that somebody like uh, New Orleans, uh, Carolina, uh, Pittsburgh will take a quarterback. Uh, And that helps the wide receiver situation for teams that have that need or any other position. So you just don't know.
0: Yeah, when you start to look at the – when you talk about the evaluation of need, and I find it rather interesting, when you look at all of that and and where the Packers stand, obviously we all know they need a wide receiver. There's no doubt about that. Um, But when you start to look at the rest of their needs – um, is it an outside linebacker? Is it an inside? Is because we know that without Elton Jenkins they may be needing a right tackle as well. So so where do you see the Packers or, or do they just, you know, be Packer esque and stay true to their board and just whatever happens to fall to them they grab. But do they need an edge rusher to fill in for say for Zedarius Smith who is now no longer here? Or do they need a, a tackle in depth there? Or maybe if they don't re sign Jair, are they looking for more secondary help?
1: Well, I think they're going to look at this draft, which has solid talent at all those positions. I think they're going to look at, the, at all of those things in this draft. It's just, And I think it's kind of like, okay, best player available position in need. We know we want an offensive tackle, let's say. I mean, I think they do. Um, uh, figure Jenkins, when is he going to be ready to play? Uh, is he going to be better off playing guard? Could he draft the right tackle? Better off playing him and maybe draft the guard. I'm not sure they're really strong at uh, the right guard position and i don't see a lot of depth there so it just depends on and what the value is of the player if if you don't have a first round grade on that next wide receiver or edge rusher you know you're better off taking the offensive tackle that you do have a first round grade on so i think it's going to depend on how they value these players and where they fall uh there's some offensive tackles that could fall to them that I would be really tempted to take in that first round, a kid like Penny from Northern Iowa, who could be there. Um, Nice right tackle. I think you could slot him in there fairly quick, um, the type of player he is. And, uh, you know, edge rusher, somebody like Boye Mafe, if he's sitting there. Mm -hmm. uh, In the first round, the value is certainly there, and they can certainly use it. They've got two guys that are pretty solid. If one guy gets hurt, I'm not sure the depth is there for them to be be able to handle. They were were fortunate last year that those two guys stayed healthy, um, you know, without Smith being around all year. So, and, you know, you got to think of the future a little bit too. So if there's a great one there, you know, they have to think about taking them. I could see them taking a receiver with one of those picks. I think a good one, a first-round talent is going to be there. And uh, an edge rusher, an offensive tackle, you know, with uh, maybe the other pick.
0: Uh, I want to ask you as well, uh, what is the, let's just say the Packers are going to start taking calls on Jordan Love. What do you think his value is at this point? Because I remember talking to Dan a couple of years ago when Love was drafted. He thought he would be a second round. Type of type of guy at best, and then the Packers obviously jumped up to get him in the first round. What is his level of value now that you've seen very little of him in, in the pre or regular season, and he's been sitting behind Aaron Rodgers? So if the Packers wanted to start say opening up the phone lines for discussion regarding Jordan Love, what would the value be?
1: Well, I don't think it's going to be as high as what the, the what the Packers would hope, and and, it's, and I think he hasn't really had a chance to play. He's played one game really. And, uh, you know, the mixed results in that game, uh, it just depends on the perception of the teams that might be looking at him. Uh, I've heard second, third-round pick they'd like to get. I'm not sure anybody's willing to do that. The teams that need quarterbacks are going to probably look to the draft uh, where they're going to get, um, you know, to have this guy for four years. He's got one year left, if I'm not mistaken. Uh-huh. Uh on his contract so uh you know unless you feel you really like him and you think uh you had him evaluated as a really good solid second round pick uh and you can sign him to an extension i don't think uh i don't think he's the guy you want because he hasn't done anything there's enough veteran backups out there if that's what you're looking for that uh you know you can you can get that guy as a free agent off the street rather than give up any kind of draft capital for him so, uh, yeah, I would be surprised if anybody would be willing to give the Packers very much for him at this point. And not because he's not good, it's just because of contract status and things of that nature, and there's other options available.
0: 877 867 if you've got a question, shoot it to us. Talking to John Cooper from rlads.com, rlads scouting guide. So do we think that this year, because we've seen so much movement, we've seen so much trade, we've seen so many teams with draft capital, do we expect a lot of trades, a lot of movement in this draft?
1: yeah I think there's gonna be some more movement. I'm kind of looking at Pittsburgh uh, you know right now uh wanting to maybe move up. there's uh, some talk they want to draft a quarterback, and you know New Orleans has already made a trade to move up, and uh you know there's the teams that are sitting there at maybe ten through uh fourteen uh thirteen uh, you know might be willing to trade down if they if they feel that some draft capital later on is is a benefit to them. And, uh, you know, Pittsburgh would have to leapfrog New Orleans if, indeed, this scenario of trying to get a quarterback with that pick is what's taking place. We won't know until the the draft because, you know, we don't know for sure what Carolina is going to do. And that, I think, is going to have an effect on some of the trading that's going to go on. But, yes, I do think there's going to be some trades.
0: So what we've seen is some trades, some guys moving. Now we got Debo Samuel saying he wants out. Uh, what do you think trade capital wise, uh, draft capital wise, it would take to pull a guy like Debo Samuel out of uh, San Francisco at this point?
1: Well, you know he's an awful good player. I think Green Bay, if they wanted him, we have to give up their first, maybe one next year. Um, I think he's, you know, he's an established receiver, and if they're willing, and if Green Bay's willing to do that, and maybe. You know, a couple other picks. I'm not sure how much I saw. How much Tyreek Hill got? You know, they got for Tyreek Hill. That's an awful lot. So I think if 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 he's the if he's the um, you know the bellwether on that, uh, then I think you're going to give up a lot to get Debo Samuel.
0: John, great stuff as always. Let Dan know we're thinking of him. Hopefully, he's better real soon, and we will talk to you guys down the road. Okay.
1: Okay, well, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me.
0: Appreciate it so much. John Cooper from Our Lads uh, Draft Guide. You can go to ourlads.com. You can you can pay for it. You can download it. But uh, the draft guide is fantastic. And a lot of the guys that it gives you, uh, it gives you such detailed, um, such detailed information regarding a lot of these guys. And, and I can go through a lot of this stuff if you decide to. To uh, to to want to know more about some of the guys that are being mentioned. Who's got better speed? It gives you everything statistically from the combine, their vertical leap, you know, the playing years, where they actually stand, what they measure at, all that kind of stuff, uh, and talk uh, talk about the positives and negatives about a lot of these guys. And this, I just started to sit down and started to read this thing a little bit yesterday, and, and start to really get into it. When you look at a guy. Like uh, johan Dotson coming out of Penn State, who may be a guy that ends up in Green Bay, a four four forty. You look at a guy like Traylon Burks out of out of Arkansas; he's a four five guy, six foot two, two hundred twenty five pounds, but he's a four five guy. When you look at a guy like uh, Jahan Dotson, he's only five ten. When you look at his measurables, he's a five ten guy. He's not a, a, an over six foot guy. You look at Chris Olave; uh, when you look at him, he's just over six foot, one eighty seven, but a four two. Six. Four two six. You talk now when you talk about MVS, MVS had speed. He didn't have four two six speed. Chris Olave turned out a four two six at the combine. Four two. Now, Jameson Williams, think about this. He's six foot. He's six one, as a matter of fact, one seventy-nine, a little bit, a little bit smaller than Chris Olave, but he ran a four two four his fastest speed. A four two four. Now he didn't run on pro day and didn't run at the combine. But when he was originally tested, he was running a four two four, four two four. Garrett Wilson. He's not much bigger, or as a matter of fact, he's a little bit smaller. One eighty three, five eleven. He's a four three seven guy. Four. The the days of running a four 40 are being beaten by some of these guys who are learning strictly speed at this point. They already have the natural gift. But they're learning strictly speed at this point, and and some of these guys have that capability of absolutely blowing the lid off. So would you wait for a guy like uh, Jamison Williams out of Alabama because he's got the bad knee? But he gives you all the attributes. He's six one, one seventy nine, but a four two four forty, crazy speed, crazy speed. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. Hit us up. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. More of the Bill Michael Show next. Glad to have you. The Bill Michaels Show. We continue on on this uh, dismal kind of rainy Friday, but we made it to the end of the week. We got big, uh, big sports coming up tonight: Bucks and Bulls game three. This one down in Chicago. You got uh, the Buck, or excuse me, the Brewers are on the road in Philadelphia. Looking, for- I'm looking forward to tonight. I don't know what the what the what the fare is going to be, but I'm I'm looking forward to TVs. I'm running amok this evening. Can't wait eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy um Nancy says uh, I saw the video yesterday of Mike Tyson hitting that guy I wish he would have thrown him off onto the tarmac and allowed those two to go at it sometimes a mouthy drunk needs an ass whooping okay oh the plane was the- in the air so um was it really in the air at that point oh yeah okay I, I didn't know couldn't tell. It wasn't like I got an outside view. There you go. So the plane was in the air, and the guy was still there. Now, I was listening to, uh, I don't know, one of the national shows. I don't know what I was listening to on, on XM. But uh, they were saying that Mike Tyson is registered as a lethal weapon. So, therefore, Mike couldn't do that because he's considered a weapon. And I I don't know the details of all of this to, to be honest with you, but boxers are considered weapons because would that mean MMA fighters are as well?
2: Wouldn't you figure? I saw that there was no requirement for boxers to register their hands. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I I think it's the stupidest thing
0: in the world because some guy is more astute at hitting another human being than another human being. It's like who cares? You know? Does that mean that? When you run fast, you have to register as the possibility of a, of a flight risk or a uh, a criminal who can outrun police, you know? I mean, it, it's dumb. But since he is trained and knows how to hit, but then again, he, he's trained and he knows how to hit in the confines of a boxing ring, not leaning over the back of a of a, of a seat on an airplane. I don't think he's ever trained for that. Uh, and you know, the, the, you know, the drunk guy was probably a drunk guy, pretty much, uh, acting obnoxious his entire life at this point, And he just hasn't taken a butt beating for it. So look, I, I don't want to get into the semantics of it. If this guy's mouthing and mouthing and mouthing and mouthing and mouthing to the point that you just kind of turn around and finally say enough. And especially, um, I, 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 it was reported now I'm hearing more that the flight attendants were made aware of this. And they asked the guy to stop a couple of times. So that I don't know if that's true or not, but that was one of the reports. So if that's true and the guy just didn't stop and and that is even taking it further, then so be it. But if the first reaction was to turn around and pummel this guy, while between you, me, and the fence post, I kind of agreed to it, you probably, if you're Mike Tyson, should have said something to the uh, flight attendants and said, hey, can, can you do something about this guy back here and see what they say? Because if you are made to land a plane because of your actions, that's a federal offense. You can not only be, you not only are you then put on the no-fly list, you're banned, but then you can be arrested for interrupting a, a, a federal aviation flight, but... If he did not go to the flight attendants and they didn't know about it, well, then this is just a, a problem for Mike Tyson. So I don't know. By the way, Chuck Norris apparently registered as a lethal weapon. Chuck Norris is registered as everything. Nothing gets past Chuck Norris. We should have learned about that in the movie Dodgeball. Thank you, Chuck Norris. <laughs> uh eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. Hit us up. Uh, this is from broken bat. Broken bat says, uh, Hey, unit love the program. Uh, do you think the Brewers get two out of three this weekend? Broken bat? Yes. Ben, do you think uh, the two L's and I heard you say this yesterday. I thought it was rather funny. The two L's in Phillies mean two out of three. They're going to
2: lose in the series. (laughs) Um, yes. Even though I have a bet with Nelson that, uh, the Phillies win two out of three over the Brewers, kind of like a double or nothing. Hopefully, he does not drink any alcohol next Friday and come into the studio at 1.20 to then talk to you on air about it. But
0: so if so, you're betting that the Phillies
2: do get two out of three? Yeah. It's also kind of my reverse jinx because I'm wrong about everything. Okay. So, in other words, you're doing this, in essence, to try to help the Brewers
0: win. Yes. I'm trying to be okay. the real hero of Milwaukee. Okay. All right. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. I'll go along with that. I, I've done that. I... When the Packers made the run to the Super Bowl, uh, the first game I picked the Packers to lose. And I I thought Philadelphia was a better team. And then when they went to face Atlanta, I picked the Packers to lose. I said, I just didn't think they were going to get out of Atlanta. And then once they beat Atlanta, I thought, they're going to win a Super Bowl. But I kept picking them to lose because now I'm on. you You go back to Kevin Costner in the movie Bull Durham. When you're on a streak, it doesn't matter what you're doing. You respect the streak, and you stay with it until the streak ends. Once the streak ends, then you can go back to doing what you do. But I agree. So what you're doing is your part right now to help the Milwaukee
2: Brewers get two out of three this upcoming weekend. Um, Do you know what Sunday is, Bill? I've gotten some eye rolls here about mentioning this, but...
0: Sunday is, no, I don't know. Sunday it, is a big gathering at the home. I know that.
2: Beyond that, I don't know. Sunday at the ballpark is the Philly Fanatic's birthday celebration. How old is the Philly Fanatic? I Which have has no been around,
0: idea. by the way, for years. Philly Fanatic is kind of really where mascots in baseball began. Between that and that, uh, that, that goofy... That goofy Monk Padre that they used to have out in San Diego. He is 44. 44. The Philly Fanatic may... Now, there was always Mr. Red. Growing up in in Cincinnati, there was Mr. Red. Always the big dude with the baseball head. But he never really had much popularity. Between the San Diego Chicken and the San Diego Padre and the Philly Fanatic, those are the two or three that re, really the the, the chicken... Uh, those are the two with uh, the Philly Fanatic that really launched baseball mascots. That's th- those two are credited because you saw growing up as a kid, and for anybody over the age of 40 is going to remember this, growing up as a kid, you ever, every week you sat, if you're a baseball fan, you sat down and watched This Week in Baseball. So you watched This Week in Baseball, and they always had something on there with either the Philly Fanatic or the, the Chicken. And the Chicken became like worldwide for all of his antics. I mean, it got crazy,
2: but didn't it, wasn't it Tommy Lasorda went after the Philly fanatic? Yes. Maybe my favorite clip of all time. The, the
0: Tommy Lasorda went after the Philly and there was an umpire that went after him one time too. If I'm not mistaken, the chicken was just goofy, but the Philly fanatic was antagonistic. He could be antagonistic riding around on the, uh, the four by four and then jumping off. And then, uh, you know, kind of, uh, kind of giving the business to anybody and everybody, and then back out again.
2: I call it entertaining. Yeah,
0: yeah. The because uh, Tommy Lasorda went after the Philly Fanatic. because was it? yeah. Oh, there it is. Yeah, Tommy Lasorda. <laughs> because the Philly fanatic came out with a fat dummy uh, dressed in a Los Angeles Dodgers uniform and acted like it was Tommy Lasorda. And Lasorda went out and attacked him and beat the hell out of him. The fact that the Philly fanatic goes down, he's on his, he's like on his stomach with his face in the ground, and Tommy rips the big dummy out of
2: his hand and then hits him in the head with it. And then it's, the that's fanatic, great. the fanatic stands up and puffs out his chest and make himself look fat again. That's so great. Good. Oh my god. Oh, uh, this is awesome. Absolutely
0: awesome. There you go. I just retweeted it. It's out there if you haven't seen it already. Have you ever seen, speaking of mascots gone awry, going back to Mr. Red, did you ever see the one where Mr. Red is, I think he's either standing up on the back of a golf cart or on a 4x4 four four or something like that, and he falls off, and his head goes flying? Did you ever see that? No. I almost wet my pants. I laughed so hard. Look up Mr. Red loses his head. See if you can see if you can find it during the break. It's it's because if you're a kid in the stands, you're like, oh, there's Mister Red. It'd be the equivalent of Bernie Brewer being on the back of a uh, of a golf cart or something, standing up and waving to the crowd, or going real fast and acting a little goofy, and just loses his balance, falls off, and his head goes flying. Now we've seen the racing sausages go down, and they usually just go down face first. I think it was the was it the hot dog or the Italian? One of the two. Like like rip their nose off, I mean, just it, no. It was the Polish. It was the Polish. Almost ripped his nose off. the The, the nose was all scraped up, and because they fell during the sausage race. Okay, great, but but they didn't lose the head. You could still see the sausage. You know, this guy was running around trying to find his head. Out in the outfield. Oh, it's awesome. Go check it out. 877 867 1670. Hit us up. Got more of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. This is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. How are we looking? This portion of the program brought to you by our good friends over there at Quick Trip. Going to do some grilling tomorrow. Grill day tomorrow. Oh, boy. It's going to be nice out. They're talking 80s, sunshine. Uh, There is definitely a little bit of a motorcycle ride in my future. Uh, Going to see a baseball game tomorrow. Uh, Kristen's son's playing out in Oconomowoc. So going out there, picking up her motorcycle, grabbing it, and uh, getting it back home. And then doing a little riding tomorrow afternoon, uh, going to a going-away party. And uh, and then a little riding even after that. But if you're going to be out grilling out like I'm going to be tomorrow night, uh, I know where to go. Go to Quick Trip, 5-ounce bacon wrap fillets, the pork fillets, 99 cents, limit five right now. And uh, they're on sale with uh, all the other fixings that are good. You've got brats, hot dogs, hamburger you can get there, all the condiments, all the buns. You can get even fruit, get some bananas, too. Good stuff, all from our friends over at QuickTrip, and you can stop in and use your Quick Rewards card. Get registered for that uh, Chevy Camaro they're giving away, and uh, they are the proud sponsor of the NASCAR race that is coming to uh, Road America up there during the Fourth of July weekend. So a lot good, a lot of good going on with our friends at QuickTrip. Two things of note: one is uh, Patrick Baldwin Jr., who went to UWM and had an injury plague season, did not live up to the expectation whatsoever, has uh, declared for the NBA draft. Ben, where do you think he gets drafted?
2: Oh, I have no idea. Late first, I'd assume. Really? I don't, I'm not a, the NFL draft is more my strong suit. I don't know much about the NBA draft and how people project. But, I mean, because of his expectations coming in and the potential, I would think late first i man i i was i
0: was shocked when I when I saw it. I there's not a whole lot of stuff that shocks me that shocked me i i'm thinking to myself he had a, he didn't it wasn't like he set the world on fire he was injured ultimately the team didn't do well dad was fired and now he's going to the NBA i'm I'm, I'm a little surprised by that to be honest with you
2: little surprised by that um a cbs sports mock draft from this week has him at 22 okay don't get me wrong still millions
0: still make money but um see if he toils away in anonymity before just ending up up, uh, off in a european league somewhere uh in the meantime guess whose birthday's today Jack Nicholson is 85. 85 is Jack Nicholson. I mean, Jack's done so many good things, don't get me wrong, but 85 years old. Uh, That makes me feel old. (laughs) I can remember the days of him and Showtime Lakers sitting courtside, Diane Cannon nearby, back and forth, Laker fans through and through. Watching Magic, watching Kareem, and then ultimately Kobe and Shaq and championships and you know Pat Riley, Phil Jackson, and but he's 85 years old. Man, that 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 dates you all of a sudden. Born April 22nd, 1937. Man, that doesn't make you feel old. Poof, I don't know what does. Um, eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. 867 if you want to chime in at any point, feel free to go ahead and do so. There was an article, I, I, I saw this, um, the, uh, um we were talking about the lineup of the Brewers, and I brought this up today in the Bud Light live stream uh, as one of the headlines, you know, when you talk about those who are not hitting the ball extremely well, and can the top four of the lineup begin to really start to, to come together. Um, it, it's an interesting article. It said, there's signs of life in Yelich's bat. And here how we can. here's how we can tell. Uh, Mike Petrillo uh, wrote the article. Um, he said, first there was a doubles machine as a young Marlin, uh, meaning Christian Yelich, the one who hit the ball hard, but never really off the ground enough to truly take advantage of all the power, yet managed to a post-All-Star level production anyway. Then, briefly, there was the Milwaukee Megastar, the truly elite slugger who mashed 80 home runs in uh, in a couple of years with a, a 1.046 OPS and winning an MVP. Then there was whatever happened to the last couple of years when he posted a league average 103 OPS and just 21 dingers, uh, more than a little troublesome as it start, he started that new nine-year contract. And now, now he's hitting 195 with a 699 OPS, coming after the 752 OPS that he had over the last couple of seasons. So it's continuing to drop. Whatever went wrong the last two years, it seems like it hasn't reversed itself, which is more than a little concerning for the Brewers, despite for enough offense to support their their stellar pitching staff. But we can't help notice this either, which is to say that nobody in baseball right now, nobody in baseball right now is hitting the ball hard as often as Christian Yelich is. Think about that for a minute. Last year's rate was low. He was was in the 20s and 30s. This year, Christian Yelich has a 69% hard hit rate. That's hard hit per batted ball, which excludes swings and misses, which helps make strikeout-prone sluggers like Joey Gallo look a little bit better. If you just prefer a hard hit per swing, well, look where Yelich is also. When he uh, chooses to swing, he hits the ball hard. There's nobody in baseball hitting the ball harder per swing than Christian Yelich. They said, look, this should be good, exciting news right now. But for all the hard-hit stats, he still has just one home run and a pedestrian three sixty six legging percentage, which leaves us with a conundrum in that just at 30 years old, hitting the ball harder than ever and harder than anybody in Major League Baseball, it would seem like Yelich is ready to rebound in this 2022 season. But it hasn't quite happened. Will it? They wanted to dig a little bit deeper into the numbers to dip and dive kind of through the uh, variety of different metrics and explain what's happened here. But it's a little easier to just sum it up as they say in one premise: when he hits the ball hard, it's more often than ever into the ground. When he hits it, when he hits the ball hard, more often than not, he's hitting it into the ground. In other words, he doesn't have that launch angle that he used to have. While he hit fifty percent, uh, rate is higher than the forty-three that he had in two thousand and nineteen. It's less than 52% that he had in 2018 when he had 36 home runs. He hit grounders like this before while still crushing the homers. It's not only about the inability to hit the ball hard, as we have showed, he's absolutely smashing the ball. It's about the combination of those. He has to hit the ball up with a swing rate that is up, not a mash into the ground. And they say he's just missing, barely missing. That launch angle that would make it a line drive, maybe into the gap, as opposed to the hard ground balls that he's hit so far this season. It's it's a very interesting article. I'm gonna I'm gonna post it uh, on both Twitter and the Facebook fan page. It's an incredibly interesting article. But when you look at Christian Yellich, this might explain some of the issues that we've talked about. Yes, I mean you hear it in the broadcast. I heard Bill Schroeder say it the other day, man, he's really hitting the ball hard. He's, he's just not having it fall. He is. That double that he hit off the center field wall going back to the St. Louis series, that thing never got more than 20 feet off the ground. And had it been down the line, it's probably a home run. But considering it was a line drive basically to the deepest part of the ballpark, it was only a double. He's hitting the ball hard, but the majority of the times, as the article predicts and promotes, it's the majority of it's into the ground. Just a really, really interesting statistics and metrics that they look at this swing by Christian Yelich as. 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. Hey, our friends over at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin, they got you a deal. So if you buy three windows, you add a patio door, you're saving $500. Bucks. You buy six windows, add a patio door, saving 1000 buy a dozen windows, add a patio door, there you go, save $2,000. you are probably doing the math with me. They have six windows six different lines of windows they have the the economical vinyl two different styles there they have impervia which is harder than fiberglass it's a really strong fibrous window and then you've got the the, the very nice luxurious wood windows from contemporary to traditional whatever it is you want you can get and with it you can get different interiors exteriors match it up have it colored any way you want. You can do different hardware. You can roll screen, slider windows. The ease of the patio doors are fantastic. So, so many different things you can get from Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin and so many different types of financing for the budget you may have. So start saving money. Call them today, 855-PELLA-WI. That is 855-PELLA-WI. Set up that free free in-home consultation. They'll come out and they'll measure it a couple of times, let you pick everything out, come back for one final measurement, then they send it off to the manufacturer. It's manufactured, it's assembled, it's put together, then they come and install it in your home, and they'll do all of this for a free visitation. Just call them up, have them come out. Go to PellaWI.com, that is Pella, P-E-L-L-A, PellaWI.com, or call them 855-PELLAWI. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. Program, we are glad you're here. Hopefully, you're enjoying the day. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. If you want to find us, please feel free. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. Um, give us a shout. We'd love to hear from you. Um, talking about Christian Yelich, and do you think? Do you think this ends up equating? Into more hits and more homers, or are these analytics, while very optimistic, there, there's legitimacy to this. Um, do do you look at this and say, you know, that uh, you know, yeah, this is uh, this is something that's extremely positive, and I believe that this is going to equate to a bust out for for Christian Yelich. Or does this end up or does this end up becoming just a statistic that never really realizes the potential that's there? Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. Again, eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. Hit us up. I think it's interesting. I think it's very interesting. Um, this is from Mark. Mark says that uh, he does not believe Christian Yelich is ever going to hit 35 plus home runs again, but if he can hit 20 to 25, he will be producing the amount to the amount of money that he is being paid. If he hits 20 to 25 home runs, yes. If he's driving an 80, 80 RBI, yes. If his average is 275 or better, if his ops is 750 to 850 somewhere in there do we get to that ops of 1 plus you know 1.024 or something i mean i i just don't think he can ever do that again i mean never say never but what you're looking for is that continued progression back upward um uh going back to that that's a great question uh um That's a great question. It was, what was his numbers going back to when he had his MVP style years, which this does relate to. Uh, He had an OPS of 1.046. And uh, they say, what happened over the last two years when he posted a league average 103 OPS and just 21 home runs, more than a little troubling statistic right after signing the new nine-year contract? Uh, Now he is hitting 195 and a 699 OPS, a 0.699 OPS coming off of a 0.752 OPS that he had over the last two years. So what has gone wrong the last couple of years? Uh, This year he is hitting a 69% hard hit rate per batted ball, 24% hard hit rate per swing which puts him fourth in or, yeah, fourth in Major League Baseball. Um, it's not about the ground balls in general. You think of blah, blah, blah. 50% rate is higher than the 43 that he had back in 2019, but it is less than the 52% that he had when he was hitting the ball extremely hard and up into the air with 36 home runs going back to 2018. So he's 25% off. When you talk about per swing, batted ball that's hard, he's 25% off. Um, But the ground ball, the batted ground balls that he has right now, ground ball percentage on hard hit balls, is uh, above... The total ground ball percentage for hard hit balls right now. There there's, go, go, take a look at it. The best, what this basically exp- explains, is that Christian Yelich, when he hits the ball the hardest, he's not hitting it in the air right now. He is hitting it into the ground, but he is hitting balls harder, or as hard as he hit them the years that he won the MVP. The difference then was they had a trajectory. They were getting up into the air versus being batted into the ground. That's the difference. That's the difference. So could pitchers be pitching him different? Sure they could. Sure they could. A lot more break. He's also facing a lot more breaking stuff. He's facing a lot more breaking balls. So that can also play into that because you're not lifting you're not usually lifting a breaking ball unless you leave it hanging. 8778671670 8778671670. All that makes sense. I mean there's a lot of metrics to this and I encourage you go read the article. Go read the article. He's got good exit velocity there. Everything to it. Is very very good right now. Uh, There's even a breakdown via the MLB network of a a video there, too. It's a really, it's it's really a good metric to see where he is. But what you hope for is that eventually the percentage of hard hit balls get lifted. And you're right. He's basically hitting the top half of the ball more often than not. 877-867-1672. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seven two. I got into the weeds on that. I'm sorry, but I I, I was reading that, and it's fascinating. And you got to kind of see it, visualize it, and, and, and digest it. But basically, the bottom line is this: when you put it in the Cliff Notes version, he's hitting the ball really hard. He's only hitting the ball into the ground, the majority of times. Doesn't have the same tra- tra- trajectory that he's had going back to 2018, 2019. That's it. Uh, 877-867-1670. Hit us up. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up after the top of the hour break. The Bill Michaels Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.